So it was a cold morning, not, not just here. <laughs> it was a cold morning in this city called Andover, Ohio. Anyone know where Andover, Ohio is? Nobody. One! That's about what I expected. And so, you know, this winter thaw, it's in March and April, right? And, and, and it's getting a little, it's starting to warm up, but it's still, it's still pretty chilly, much worse than it was this morning. So this guy named Ray Blankenship, he's, he's, he's getting ready in the morning, it's, and he's, he's looking outside of his window, he's preparing breakfast, and you know, the floodwaters are kind of receding, the thaw is happening, and so the waters in this kind of canal ditch behind his house are much higher than they usually were flowing towards the rivers, right? And he looks out, and he happens to look up at this moment, this one moment that he sees a small girl being dragged in the water down the ditch, like drowning. So he drops what he's doing, and he runs outside, and he's running along the bank just trying to catch up with her because the water is moving so fast. And he's running along the bank. Finally, he, he just jumps into this frigid cold water, this guy named Ray, and he, he jumps in to hold on to this girl, and they're tumbling, and they're, they're just rolling over each other in this huge torrent of water. And they're coming up to this culvert, you know, so it goes down in the pipe, and then it kind of goes under this thing underground. If you're going in there you're not coming out. So he knows he has to grab onto something. And so, so Ray Blankenship, he's holding onto the girl and he's grabbing and he's grabbing and he's grabbing and finally he holds on to a tree branch that's sticking out and he's able to grab onto it. And this freezing cold water on an April morning in Andover, Ohio, he is struggling from going from fixing his breakfast to five minutes later holding onto this girl and hoping for life. And he said later, if I can just hold on until help arrives... Maybe we can make it. Well, he actually did much more than that. By the time firefighters arrived, Ray had dragged himself and the girl up out of this water, out of this torrent, out of this raging flood of, of water, and onto the bank. And the firefighters got there, and they actually treated them both for shock. They both survived. And on April 12, 1989, Ray Blankenship was awarded the Coast Guard's Silver Medal for Life Saving. It's pretty cool, right? It's even more amazing when you think about the fact that Ray Blankenship didn't know how to swim. For many of us, we're Ray Blankenship in our faith, right? We're jumping into to deep waters. We don't know exactly what's going on, and we, and we don't know sometimes. We don't feel like we know how to swim. And for some of us, that's enough reason for us to just turn around and be like, you know what, forget it. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, I tried that one time, I just forget it. I'm going to head back to shore. I'm not even going to do this. I'm not even going to try again. But actually, this is where God really wants us to be. Deep in the unknown waters, in the, in the swift currents of our culture, doing a new thing for the kingdom of God. Something that we may never have done before. Did you know that you are being called this morning? That you are being sought after? Maybe to do that something that you've never done before, that, that, that something that this community has never seen before, that something this church has never done before. You know, you're being called. You're like, uh, no, my phone's on silent, vibrate. I didn't, I didn't hear that, right? You, yeah, you're being called this morning. You're being sought after by God. We're going to look at two passages very quickly before our main scripture that's going to help us understand that. And to be honest, these two passages are maybe some of the most misidentified and also misused passages in the Bible. So if, you, if you've got your Bibles, uh, you may want to turn along or, or turn them on if you've got one of those apps. And, and turn with me over to John 
chapter 4, John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Jesus is at the woman of the well. And if you know this story, it's a great one. But we're actually going to dive right in at verse 23. John chapter 4, verse 23. And Jesus is saying to this woman, says, Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. And then catch this here. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. They are the kind of worshipers that the Father is seeking. I don't know if you just showed up today and it was a baptism, it was exciting, or maybe this is the day you get back in church, or maybe this is your, your home church, and you're like, that's kind of where I go, but, but maybe this is a light bulb moment for you. To, you're not here, like Scott said, by accident. God is seeking after you this morning. Those of us who are worshiping in spirit and truth, He wants to be in a relationship with you. He's seeking after you. There's a reason that you're here. Another verse, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And again, this will be on screen if you want to follow along. Romans chapter 8, 28. So misused because we stop at a certain point. It says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. And we stop there, right? That's great. God works for the good of those who love Him. Nope. Not completely. Let's keep going. Who have been called, there's that calling again, who have been called according to His purpose. And if you've ever wondered, you know, why I love Jesus, why didn't I pray for this thing and this one thing didn't work out the way I wanted it to? Why did that happen? Maybe you weren't answering His call. Maybe, maybe you ever thought, crossed your mind that, that loving God is not enough to get the reward that we just want, right? I want to work everything's work for my good. Yay! Me, 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 selfie, selfie, that's our culture, right? I want, I want everything to be for my good. But we don't have to be called according to someone else's purpose. Huh. Right, bummer. I want to be called according to my purpose. God says it doesn't work that way. God works things for good for those who both A, love Him, and B, are called according to His purpose. Today may be a day for you to recognize that calling, maybe for the first time. And you might want to, and here's our title, you might want to jump in. It might be scary for you. You're like, you know what, I've tried that faith thing before, and honestly, I'm just here to support another friend's kid. They were getting baptized. That's me. You know, or honestly, you know, maybe I've fallen away from my faith, and maybe I just didn't know what I was talking about before. I've been to church. I grew up in church, but I just don't have that connection that seems other people have. Why am I even here? Maybe your GPS just made you lost this morning. It's behind running zone. Where's that? might be scary. You might have tried this whole quote-unquote faith thing. You might have tried this whole Jesus thing before. You, other churches may have even burned you on this. You're like, no, I'm not, I'm not trying that again. Maybe something happened in your life to make you just make a, a break. You're like, you know, um, that didn't work out for me. All things didn't work for my good, so why would I want to trust that again? Maybe it's to rediscover or discover for the first time that calling that Jesus has, that purpose that Jesus has for your life. See, God rarely calls the equipped, but God always equips the called. God rarely calls the people who already got it going on. Ta-da! Perfect in a box. Yeah, yeah. God can use those people. That's fantastic. But God always equips the called. If you just pick up the phone and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm here. It's not that literal, but you get what I'm talking about. With your heart, you say, God, 
I want to follow your plan for me. I want to be called according to your purpose. He will give you the tools that you need to do that job, to serve in that area, to grow in that ministry, to do whatever it is. God will equip you. And you are being called today, each and every one of us. Maybe it's called to know Jesus for the very first time. Maybe those baptisms are like, I don't know that. I don't have what they have. Why are they even doing the dunk tank thing? I don't get that. Maybe it's being called to learn more about Him. Maybe it's being called to live more like Him. That, that thing that you know you need to change, that's been needing change for a long time. You just haven't done it yet, because maybe it's something you can't do by yourself. Because if you could do it by yourself, you would have already done it. But you need Jesus' help to make that change in your life. And maybe that's the piece of the puzzle that's been missing. Maybe you're being called to, to serve Him. And if you're, again, calling this your home church, you just want to step up and be a part of what God is doing here, there's some areas that you can just sign up afterwards right there in the lobby to serve the, the six areas that are really helping our church grow. Any, any, any flow ride of people? Any home folk? Any locales? People grown up, born and raised here? Yeah? Couple? Couple? I, I actually grew up, my, most of, I moved here in like when I was, what was it, five-ish? Five, right? I can look at my mom and be like, was it five? Okay, it's about five. And uh, we, we grew up here, and we, uh, we, we grew up, and my dad was in the Air Force, and so we went over to the Patrick Air Force Base pool. I don't know if you've ever been there. I was a kind of an Air Force brat in a way, and so we went over there, and me and my twin sister, I have a twin sister named Amelia, and she's much better looking than I am. So we would, be, we would go over there, and we would be swimming in this Patrick Air Force Base pool, and it's this huge, huge, expansive pool, right? It's shaped like a giant L, and then on the top part of the L, that's the diving board area. And they just had a couple regular size diving boards, you know, just the usual three-foot stuff. But everyone, it's like the focus of this entire pool was directed at the diving boards. As a young guy growing up, I say young guy, you know, six, seven, eight years old, the diving board was the thing. You know, it was the nervous, you know, to dive off that diving board for the very first time. Because you're getting up there, and it's like, oh my gosh, everybody's looking at me. Everybody's looking at me. Please don't belly flop. I can't do this. I'm going I'm to back off and get off this diving board. And then maybe later I'd go up and be like, okay, I can do it. And it's springy, more springy than it was last time, and I, and I get off. But one of those times, I end up going up, and I'm springy, 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 and just, boosh! But then I get my confidence up, because I can do it, right? My sister, she's still petrified of this diving board. But I got really used to the diving board at that age. Later on, I was going in high school, and went to this... Uh, Christian camp up in a summer music camp at Pensacola Christian Colleges. Pensacola actually, Pensacola Christian College has the highest rated uh, swimming center of all universities. It's fun fact, you can just look it up, Pensacola Christian College. Amazing swim center there, and they have Olympic-sized diving boards. They've got the regular one that I was used to, and then they have two ones higher than that, the Olympic ones. If you don't know how high those are, I'm going to explain it to you. This is how high those are, all right? All right, I want to make sure I've got this right, because this is just high. And just like the kids getting in the tub today, you're like, I don't know how cold it is, but that water is cold. I don't know how high these diving boards are, but they're high. And Okay, the first board is, again, that regular kind of three-foot. And then they have a three-meter board. Maybe you're not hip to the jive with the, you know, what does that mean in feet? Okay, it's nine feet high, right? Nine feet high is the second board. Now think about it. That's from this floor to this bar right here. That's about nine feet. So you're jumping from that into the water, all right? Then they have the Olympic one, which is 10 meters high. That's 32 feet. You're jumping off of a three-story building into water. And so, I, you know, the diving board that I'd suddenly become used to, even though I was used to a diving board, let me tell you something, 
10 meters, 32 feet, puts a different perspective on what you think you know. And even if I was used to going off diving boards, the thing that I had been doing, growing up diving off diving boards, was suddenly now very, very scary for me once again. So we jumped. 32 feet. Oh, we're just praying, Lord, please help us survive. And the first, you know, the first one was not pretty. We just hoped to not go splat, you know? And then we got our confidence up, just like that smaller three-foot board. And then we went up again, 32 feet. And then after a few times, the second, third, fourth, fifth time, we actually got comfortable. We were doing somersaults and just kind of actually diving off of. So I was on swim team, so we knew how to do some of those things. And my mama don't know this. She didn't know we dived off 32-foot diving boards. This is things just boys do, Mom. So, you know, she didn't know that. I have photographic evidence, too. But, um, yeah, so it was really high. And that, but what I'm, what I'm saying is that that thing that I had gotten used to doing at a very small height, even though I was doing the same thing, jumping in, at a different height, was suddenly very, very scary all over again. But we survived, right? I'm here. Maybe you're on the edge of a diving board scenario in your life this morning. Maybe it's doing something you've done before, but something has changed in your life, and you don't know how this is going to be different. Maybe you're managing your business or your company, and the things that you've gone through before and you're still trying to do again, suddenly they're just different. And you can't explain it, but how are you going to weather this next situation? Because even though you've been doing it now this time, is different. Maybe you're on a diving board situation in your life, just at the edge. And we're going to close out with a passage that you will identify with. So if you've got your Bible, turn over to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. And while you're turning there, while you're turning to John chapter 21, I just want to set this up. In Matthew chapter 4, Verse 18 and 20, again, you're turning to John 21. I'm trying to help us set up. Jesus calls his first disciples, right? This guy named Peter, this guy named Andrew, right? And Jesus simply says, come follow me, and I'm going to send you out to make you fishers of men. All right, so these were fishermen. And so you need to know that before we dive into where we're going in John chapter 21. Because a fisherman back in the day is not that much different than a fisherman of today, Okay? These guys are usually, unfortunately, very poor back in the day. They were smelly, because you're around fish all day, right? Pulling fish out of the Sea of Galilee. That's a fun job. Uh, their, their clothes were just torn from like you know hooks and nets and all that kind of stuff, getting in and out of boats. They were rough, gruss. They were rough. They were gruff. And they, they cussed a lot, to be honest. Like This is the type of people that Jesus is walking up to and choosing to be his first disciples. And sometimes, you know, I'm going to pause real quick, sometimes I think we put Christianity in a box, in this pristine little diamond type of thing, and say, you know, that's what a Christian should look like. And, and though there are undoubtedly qualities that Jesus should make us aspire to and live up to, I think we often overlook that the, the abilities that our apparent disabilities provide. You might be saying, you know, well, Christianity is that kind of that perfect diamond of what a life looks like. You know, there's no way I can be that. You know, there's no way I can do that, or I've tried that before and it didn't work, so I'm not even going to do it. I'm too broken. I'm too damaged. I'm too unworthy. And if Christianity is that, is that diamond, well then, you know, I'm just kind of this misshapen pebble, that's what I feel like, that no one would really want. You know, that's an idea from the enemy, because 2,000 years ago, Jesus could have chosen anyone to follow him. 
But instead of choosing the perfect, the diamonds, the people who got it all together, the ideal potential disciples, Jesus walks up to these rough, gruff, cussing, dirty, smelly, uneducated fishermen. He's like, yeah, you and you. Come follow me. So you may look at yourself, and you, and you may, may see that unworthy person in the mirror, that, that directionless, misshapen, pebble-like life, but you know what? Jesus looks at you and he says, you know what? This one's just right. I can use that. So if you're in John again, this is John chapter 21. And this is after the crucifixion. This is after the death. This is after the burial. And this is after the, the empty tomb and the risen Jesus. This is after doubting Thomas, if you, if you know that story. And Jesus, is for all the disciples know, he's just gone. They've received this Holy Spirit, which they're kind of learning to understand, this like small, still voice that kind of whispers, it's not a conscience, but it's kind of like that. And, and what does that mean? And they've kind of given up on their ministry. And this is where we're picking up here in John chapter 21. We're just kind of dissect this for a little bit. It says, Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And this is how you know John is writing this, and he's one of those fishermen guys. And this is how you know John is a fisherman. Because you can tell that this story has probably been exaggerated in a whole different ways. But John starts, okay, he's like, it happened this way. That, I don't want you to pick up on that. It happened this way. Because like, I was there, and I've heard this story told a thousand times, a thousand different ways, and it's gotten exaggerated. It's a fisher's tall tale, right? But it happened, it happened this way. So John says that. It happened this way. Simon Peter, again, that, another fisherman. Thomas, also known as Didymus. Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee. And two other disciples were together. So not the whole group, right? They've kind of broken up. You're like, Jesus is dead, but he's gone. But then we kind of see him again. What's, what's going on, right? So Peter says, I'm going out to fish. You know, Peter doesn't know what to do without Jesus. So he figures, you know, well, I'll just go back to that thing I did before. Right? Maybe that's you. I've tried that faith thing and it didn't work. I've been to church, but I didn't change. I've served in churches, but you know what? I actually saw more ugliness than holiness. And we just kind of revert to backing off of that diving board in our lives. That's what Simon Peter said, you know, I'm going to go fishing. And they said, you know what, we'll go with you. We're bored here, ain't doing nothing. We're going to go fishing with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. They are out there all night long. Have you ever been out fishing all night long? It's long. That's a longer night than a regular night. It's just when you're trying to fish and you're not catching anything, it, the time inches by even slower. It's like you enter a black hole and a warp or, or something like that. So now we're going to verses 4 and 5. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And maybe there are some times when you have seemed hopeless out at sea in your world, just lost. Maybe it seems like you're even, you've got the faith, but you, where is God in all this, right? And maybe you just couldn't recognize that Jesus was on that shoreline of your life calling out to you. And you just couldn't recognize it at the time. So I don't have any fish. So Jesus says in verse 6, He says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And again, if you've ever been fishing, this is one of the stupidest things you could have ever heard. Like we're out there in this giant sea of Galilee. We're on a boat and the boat is only this wide and 30 feet long. Right? It's almost the size of this stage. And you're telling me 
that my net is on this side of the boat, and if I put it on this side of the boat, I'm going to catch fish in this giant sea of Galilee. You're kidding, right? And they probably argued amongst themselves, like, we've already got the net down there, what's going on? What's the difference between catching fish here and catching fish there? They're all still underwater. This is stupid. This is stupid. What does this guy think he is? This next word is so important because the Bible is always so descriptive on timing. And it says, immediately someone jumped up when they were healed, or immediately someone did something. But then we have this word here, when. Not immediately, but when they did. So the disciples are probably saying that same conversation there in the boat. This idiot on shore, he thinks that we put the net from this side of the boat to that side of the boat. We're going to catch fish. (laughs) We've been here all night. What does he think he knows? He's 100 yards away from us. So when they did, they finally were like, all right, well, maybe we'll just do it. All right, what do we got to lose, right? So they put the net on the other side of the boat. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. We're going to keep going. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord, that disciple whom Jesus loved. He's John referring to himself in that way. So he says, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, here's that timing, as soon, immediately, as soon as he heard him say it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. In other words, Peter takes everything he has with him there in the boat, everything he, he has, and he says, you know what, if that's where Jesus is, boom, I'm going. Now, Peter's already had this debacle, we like to call, you know, where he, he falls into the water, he's fa- trying to walk on water to Jesus, and he looks down, he starts doubting, and then Jesus has to save him, right? So, honestly, Peter's probably thinking, I get to walk on water again, there's Jesus. I'm going, I'm gone, I'm going to book it. We didn't say that that happened, Peter probably got really soaking wet and had to swim. You know, hard lessons learned the first time, but he grabs up quickly and immediately everything he needs to run and swim and go to Jesus. So he takes his garments, he jumps into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, because they couldn't even get it into the boat, it was so full. For they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning, coals were fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, and here we see John the fisherman, 153. It's like he's just putting this in there. It was full of fish. <coughs> 153, that's right, that's how many, fisherman's tail. But even with so many, the net was not torn, and Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, he took bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. We're actually going to go back and read verse 9 one more time, because I I want us to catch this, and then we're going to close. Now the other disciples were falling with the boat, right? In verse 8 and 9. For they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with what on it? Fish on it. And some bread. So let's recap. The disciples are out fishing all night. They catch nothing. They couldn't catch the fish that they were after. See a guy off on the shore, they don't recognize him. He says, put your net on the other side of the boat. They laugh. Okay. After a while, they finally do it. When they do it, they catch more fish than they can even bring into the boat. John says, it's the Lord. So Peter runs, goes to Jesus, and this boat is towing all of that fish behind. And when they all finally arrive on shore, who's there? And what does he have? It's Jesus, right? And he already has a fire, some bread, and the thing that they were after all along, Jesus already had. 
Jesus already had the thing that they were out there searching for by themselves all along. Jesus had it. And not just fish, but a warm fire. He's cooking. Got some bread. Probably pretty smelling good. Tasting good. These guys who are out all night have nothing. Come in and find rest, warmth, and redemption with Jesus. Jesus already had what they were looking for all along. Friend, whatever you're looking for today, Jesus already has it waiting for you. Whatever you've been searching for in this life, Jesus already has it. If you're searching for freedom, maybe freedom from addictions, maybe, maybe freedom from your past, His freedom is waiting for you. If you're searching for healing, maybe healing from sickness, maybe healing from broken relationships, His healing is waiting for you. If you're looking for wealth, He can make you rich in the things that actually matter. If you're looking for love, He can move your heart more than any person on this planet. If you're wrestling with the question of why are you even here? Why were you even born? He alone has the answer and it's waiting for you. If you're looking for redemption or forgiveness, Jesus is the only one who can eternally offer it and He's right here this morning waiting for you. Whatever you're looking for today, Jesus has had it all along. And it's not just going to be what you're looking for. It's going to be much more than you could have imagined. It's not just fish. But fish already being cooked, and bread, and a fire. Today is your day. This is your opportunity to come to Jesus, maybe for the first time, or the tenth time, or the one hundredth time. This is your chance to, to pull a Peter, to pick up all of who you are, regardless of the quality, your status, your torn and tattered parts of your past, the, the smelly condition of your present. Grab all of that and jump into the unknown and head towards Jesus. And I don't know what's going to be in store for you when you accept Him, but I can promise that if you trust Him, if you love Him, and if you are called according to His purpose, it will be the most exciting journey of your life. This is your chance to jump in and find out what Jesus has had in store for you all along.